If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the NVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Remember to visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations online or you can go to the mygreensolution.com. You use the DNVR20 code. You get 20% off your entire order. It's going to be a fantastic time for you if, you if you've gone by The Green Solution and now you're, you're watching yourself some sports. Uh, sorry for those of you who are on the Facebook Live here for a minute hearing me do that silently. Uh, I had to unmute the mic, so <laughs> thanks for sticking with me. You know, technology, a digital company we are. Uh, let's jump right into it. The biggest conversations on today's podcast, in fact, this is probably going to be the only thing we're going to be talking about today, uh, is this series of players who have just become available. There was a slew of non-tender candidates yesterday. Uh I was surprised to see a lot of these guys who are going to be available for the Rockies to start looking into now. And I want to begin with a a couple that are mentioned right here on the Periscope Live that we're also doing. First one coming from Jake, who says Taiwan Walker or Blake Trinan. Yeah, those were two names that jumped out to me right away. Uh, Let's start with Blake Trinan, who I think is like the highest end of what the Rockies could possibly hope for out of a relief add this offseason it would more than likely be most of what they do Blake Trinan has been very very good for the Oakland A's he's coming off a little bit of a down year but he's still in his 20s there's a lot to love about that arm if they can get him for about eight million dollars on a on a one-year deal or for the next couple of years for example remember about a week ago when the Braves signed Travis Darno, and people were saying oh they should have got him for eight million dollars a year for in my mind Spending $8 million on Blake Trinan 
is a hundred times more useful to the Colorado Rockies than spending eight million dollars on Travis Darno. If I'm going to spend that kind of money, Trinan's the guy I'm going for. Now I could see him getting pushed up and a little bit more out of the Rockies range because of this. He's going to be a highly prized commodity. Uh, he's got experience closing. There are a lot of things to love about what Blake Trinan could bring to any number of teams. So I could see him getting uh, priced out a little bit, but he's not one of those guys who's completely outside uh, of the Rockies range here. Out of, out of my disagree, again, the, the comments do not expect changes. Breidich never said that. Dick Monfort never said that. They never said we're not going to make impact moves. They never said we're not going to add guys. Unfortunately, a narrative has been run with in a lot of media, both locally and nationally, that the Rockies came out and said they're too stuck. They can't do anything. That's not what they said. They said they weren't making a huge splash. And I guess it depends on your definition of huge splash, whether or not Blake Trinan fits into that. For me, I interpreted that as they're going to do exactly what they've been doing, which is adding guys from in the 10 to $12 million range over the last couple of years, which is what they've done. And, and that's about what I expect them to do, spend around $12 million. So if you consider that impact or not, it's going to be up to each one of you. But at $8 million for... Trinan. For me, that's an impact move that is not a huge splash. You're, you're taking somebody that was just cut from another team, basically, here. Uh, but you're still giving him a decent amount of money, and he could have a major impact on that bullpen. And it's probably not your entire offseason. You could still probably afford to go out and get a, you know, a Martin Maldonado or a Jonathan LaCroix, for those of you that are interested in the catcher market, or uh, explore some of these other pitching possibilities like Taiwan Walker. Now, it's going to be really interesting to see, Jake, what the market is for Taiwan Walker, who's always had more potential than results and is coming off of a long period of time of not pitching, Tommy John surgery, uh, but he's still in his 20s. He's got a very promising arm. Yes, if the Rockies could get him in that, you know, $3 million range, it, you know, someone takes a little bit more of a risk on him. I, I think the Rockies should be careful about that. But whichever one of these guys, Kevin Gaussman is another name, a, a Colorado native, starting pitcher whose numbers have never been fantastic, but there's still potential there. If someone else wants to overpay either one of those guys, you have to let them. But if they do fall between the cracks, and if Taiwan Walker is looking like, you know, he can't get anything else, and it's not going to be his first choice. We've talked about this over and over again with starting pitching. But um, yeah, C. Jameson points out two years of, of not pitching, you know, you, you can't count on that. It's, it, it is a, you got to be hoping for a high impact, you know, lower risk move. So if it's more money, I'd stay away from Taiwan Walker, but I'm definitely calling in and seeing what kind of offers they, they were going to get. Uh, Nate comes in and says the Rocks tendered all their guys, not a bad decision in my opinion, but does this mean we're in for the same roster. No, 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 it doesn't. I think it just means that right at this particular moment in time, there was nobody, you know, they already kind of took care of this. They, when they got rid of Tyler Anderson and Chad Bettis and Pat Vileka. So in, in a way they took care of the non-tendering that they might've otherwise done just a little bit earlier. Uh, but no, I, I expect there to be at least two more significant changes to the 40-man roster. Whenever you're changing your 40-man roster, that means you're bringing in somebody and somebody else has got to go. And so if, you, if it's a dis displacement type of move, you know, I, I still expect these to happen. So that they're hanging on to the assets they've got right now, no, does not suggest to me that they just, this is the roster, that's what it is. Um, 
let's get. I want to get back to that conversation at, at some point. Uh, Disabaticalus. Sorry if I, I said that wrong about uh, the juiced baseballs and, and Freeland and Davis. The short answer to your question about whether or not they contributed more to the struggles of those guys than others, I think is yes. But I need to do quite a bit more research on, uh, you know, I, I need to I need to nail that down. But I suspect so. Um, and, and then I agree with Nate saying here that, you know, I'm not sure any of the names out there right now qualify as big splashes. Oh, just dropped myself. That was bound to happen eventually. Um, but what I do think is that, you know, they're, they're not players that fans are immediately going to go, hey, that's a difference maker. But that doesn't mean that they can't end up being difference makers. Um, I do think Blake Trinan is the highest stealing guy here in terms of uh who could you bring in for a, a an amount of money that they absolutely can spend and have a very serious impact on the team it, it is not anywhere close to outside the realm of possibility the add a guy like Blake, Blake Trinan who becomes an extremely solid setup guy behind Scott Oberger even takes over as the closer allowing Scott Oberger to go back into the setup role it's a dramatic improvement to the back end of your bullpen, which arguably was the biggest difference between the Rockies winning 91 games and winning 71 games. That and Kyle Freeland, in my mind, is pretty much the biggest difference. So, you know, those are the guys I think you get most excited about in terms of, yeah, that guy could definitely do a thing. You know, some of these starting pitcher candidates, but I think there are a lot of these fringe players, uh, I think it's Mark here is asking, what about Kevin Pillar? Very interesting candidate. Absolutely. We've talked about Pillar a lot on this uh, podcast because of the defense that he's brought over the years, because of the way he's looked playing at Coors Field. And when he's come in at a, as a visitor and, and made a, a huge impact on the series out there in center field. What I will say is my first thought was, yeah, because I was even thinking maybe the Rockies could it's hard to pull off trades inside the division, but I'd have my eye on Pilar for a while for all of the reasons why anyone would consider picking him up. You put him in at center field, uh, you really help your pitching staff out, you, you take the burden off of guys like Dahl, Tapia, Hampson, Hilliard to have to figure that position out and let their offense play out in left field. But now that I'm seeing what some people think Pilar might be going for around eight or nine million dollars, as well um at that price i probably wouldn't be interested if, if, if i'm running the rockies here i i get a little bit lower than that I, I get interested in a hurry i i do think if and i've said this before if you're going to tackle the problem of outfield defense which i readily admit is a problem that needs to be tackled i think there are better options out there to do this i i saw a side bridge here i got into this yesterday i couldn't believe Saw another analyst out there. It was, a, it was a Cardinals writer, and you know he t he took a shot at Jeff Breidich in a Q and A about the brain surgery comments and the whole thing. And then two paragraphs later, and some of you saw this on on Twitter, suggested the Rockies trade Charlie Blackman for Harrison Bader. Uh, Charlie Blackman is one of the ten best hitters in Major League Baseball. Harrison Bader hit two hundred five last year. Brings almost no offensive utility. Uh, is is a pretty good defender in center field. But I was just absolutely blown away. Like, that's 
you're getting into you can't see the forest through the trees there when you're trading the far better player for the far inferior player just to get out from underneath the contract and to try to improve your defense when you could just go sign Billy Hamilton for a million dollars and get a guy who's just as good, if not better, defensively in the outfield, and you didn't have to give up the third best player on your team to get him. So I, I do think there there's been some, you know, trying to solve some of the Rockies' issues without necessarily uh, recognizing the problems that would be caused by moving some of these guys around. Um, Hello, JT Torbo Music from Spain. How are you? Uh, but I just wanted to, you know, get into a couple more of these other guys here that stuck out to me. Let me see if the, we got a few other questions coming in. Uh, I was just kind of talking about those Charlie rumors again, C. Jameson. I think there is an avenue where it makes sense to trade Charlie Blackman. I just don't think there are very many. I, I, don't, I think, again, I think people are getting a little bit too into the weeds about yes he's getting older yes his defense has sharply declined and yes he's getting paid a lot of money but you're unlikely to get more value out of the 20 million dollars you're playing paying charlie blackman than you would spending that money on the free market right now there's and there's just not a clear path for even where it would make sense for the rockies to spend that money. Charlie Blackman is well worth his contract. His contract is not the problem. Uh, there's also just not a lot of National League teams who are even going to be interested in the first place. So you're limiting the number of people who might be interested in getting Charlie Blackman. There's probably only six teams out there that it would make sense for them to even consider trying to trade for Charlie Blackman. And then it's unlikely that they've got the prospects or the assets that would have it make sense in the first place. So, you know, it's it's a weird situation that the Rockies are in with Charlie Blackman, I will again readily admit, but I don't think that they're in as tight a spot as a lot of people seem to think. Like, uh, he's just become un completely underrated as a baseball player just because he's making money and, and his defense has gone down now. Like, he, he's still an, an extremely important driver of the Colorado Rockies, offense uh probably the most important guy they've got in that clubhouse right now in terms of cohesion and and so the idea that they just need to get rid of him because he's a problem to me is ridiculous there, there's an avenue by which trading charlie blackman makes sense but it's not something the rockies have to do it's not something they're stuck in a position where they just if they don't they're totally screwed like this is not the team is not anywhere close to being in that dire of straits as i've said many times before there's a 400 game sample size where they were a whole lot better than they anyone seems to be recognizing or a lot of people are chalking that up to good luck which i just could not disagree more and i think there are a lot of these guys that just became available whether you're talking about gossman uh taiwan walker uh blake trinan a few other guys that could get really interesting in a hurry that absolutely can be difference makers for a team that's basically one solid starting pitcher and one good reliever away from being a 90-win team again. And so, you know, if, if, if you want to trade, and that's the other thing about all of these pushes to, to trade, whether it's Charlie Blackman or John Gray or Trevor Story or Scott Oberg or even Nolan Arenado today, it, the, the timing of it is the silliest part of any of it. There's no reason to trade those guys now 
before even running with the roster again. Like there, none of those guys are going to have less value at next year's trade deadline than they do right now. None of them. So all you're doing now, if you trade any of those guys, quite frankly, is being short-sighted and, and emotional. Like there's just no reason to do it. If you start out the 2020 year and it turns out that yes, these last 68 games are more indicative of who the Rockies are than the 400 before it, that may be true. I could be wrong and that may be the case, but it's at least worth making sure that that's the case when it costs you nothing. It costs you nothing to keep these guys right now. If it turns out that I'm wrong and the people out there that think the Rockies are just terrible are right, well, then they can trade John Gray, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman for as much, if not more, at the trade deadline because teams are going to be desperate to add something to try to win. You're going to get more out of them at next year's deadline or even next offseason than you are right now. The only guy who I can think would really, like, there's the potential there where his value could drop way off and, and you're not going to get something for him because his value is high right now would be Scott Obert, uh, who I do think is going to have a good season next year. But he's the only guy who has value right now that really there's there's that high level of variability where he's going where he could potentially start have a really bad beginning of the year and then he can't trade him. But Nolan, Charlie, Trevor, John Gray, no, all of those guys are still going to have the exact same value in a couple of months that they have right now. So yeah, the uh, Twitter feed seemed to have crashed there. I'm going to see if I can get it going back up here in a minute after uh, I take a break. Uh, so I can get a few more questions in on those. And I do have a few other of these guys that I wanted to discuss. But um, yeah, I, you know, uh, I'm going to do the catcher conversation tomorrow. But again, this is one of those things where I feel like people are getting way into the weeds and they can't just see the big picture. They're getting so focused on all of the things they think Tony Wolters doesn't do that they're not recognizing where he actually ranks when it comes to the hierarchy of catchers in Major League Baseball and where his value comes from and what the Rockies could do by just bringing in a, a right-handed veteran. And I've talked about a lot of the guys. In fact, uh, like I said, the next podcast I'm going to do, I'm going to jump into this catcher question for sure. But I think they can get a great deal more out of that position in 2020 than they did in 2019 without having to add a huge name. It's a, a Martin Maldonado or even a Jonathan Lucroy. I think you end up getting a whole lot more out of that position. So um, do the Rockies have to let Rogers take a shot at the second base job? Yes, absolutely they do. And and there are a number of other candidates in here uh, from guys, uh, you know, CJ Crone is out there as an interesting first base option if the Rockies wanted to keep McMahon at second but move Murphy off. I've talked about that a lot. I think that's probably the best sort of moving around of the chairs type of move that the Rockies could make this offseason would be to get a, a first baseman. I like C.J. Crone. Um, when Jesus Aguilar became available, I thought that was interesting as well. If you can trade Daniel Murphy, make Ryan McMahon your everyday first baseman, um, or make C.J. Crone your everyday first baseman, and then leave Ryan McMahon at second base, I think you've done some uh, really interesting things to help your team there both offensively and defensively. Uh, without having to, again, get super crazy. And then you can let Rodgers, um, Hampson battle it out for who's going to take over that job eventually um, and who's going to be the utility man, who's going to be a guy off the bench. 
so I, I think there are a lot of interesting avenues there. I also think, you know, there, there were a couple of guys who came available um, as middle infielders that don't overly excite me, a guy like Cesar Hernandez. But, but again, there's something there where if you get him for cheap enough and you can move McMahon over to second base, that's one of the great things about the positional versatility of Ryan McMahon. Again, it's something I think is not being considered very much. Actually, Ryan McMahon in general, just his production is not being considered as people are, are projecting the Rockies into 2020. They're kind of writing him off as a mediocre player because that's what the data suggests so far that he is. Um, but you know, he's very much on the upward swing. So there, there are a lot of different avenues here for the Rockies to get interested. I think overall, the philosophy has got to be Again, see who falls through the cracks a little bit. You don't want to go out and overpay for Blake Trinan. If someone offers him $10 million, you have to say, look, that's there's no guarantee you don't pay that guy $10 million and he comes to Coors Field and turns into a pumpkin. You, you've got to be more risk-averse than that right now, which is why some of these other guys, like a Taiwan Walker, who, yeah, you're going, two years of injury, is he the savior of the rotation? <laughs> You know, a lot of that, but at $3 million, a guy with that kind of arm that allows you to go get another guy, so you're not counting on just one. And, and this is another thing. It's like the the forest through the trees analogy again, where, you know, I, I see people saying, like, I was asked about Jose Mujica earlier, and people say, I can't believe the Rockies think Jose Mujica is the answer. Uh, Jose Mujica might be an answer. But that's why you get a bunch of them. You, they're not counting... Like I said something the other day about how Jeff Hoffman could turn into a really, really valuable reliever for this team. And somebody said, I can't believe you're counting on Jeff Hoffman. I'm like, I'm not. No one's counting on Jeff Hoffman. But if you don't recognize that as a possibility, you're also not being honest with what the Rockies have in their organization. The trick isn't, do you count on Jeff Hoffman specifically to do one very specific thing? Or do you look at a group of guys that includes Hoffman, Sensatella, Chichi Gonzalez, Tim Melville. Uh, there's a, a number of others that they could bring into the organization. Now, Jose Mujica. So now you're saying, are they counting on any one of those guys? No, at some point they might be. But that's that's the point, is they'll have far more options than they have previously. And I think this offseason has got to be about giving themselves options. And these guys that just got non-tendered yesterday, there's a bunch of options, right? And so, like I said, let the other teams overpay the handful that are whoever's generating the most excitement right now and get those lower price guys, uh, especially if there's any of these guys who would sign a minor league deal. I, I, I doubt that at this point, but you never know what, what's going to go on with this market. It's been absolutely insane um but yeah th those are kind of the guys at the top of my list I, I like gaussman i like cron i like um i like taiwan walker i like blake trinan I, I think those are the guys i would be looking at the heaviest right now if i'm the colorado rockies so i'm gonna cut off this segment of it here i hope everyone out there is drinking breckenridge brew and i hope you're doing so through the davidson's you got to check out that app if you don't have it yet. It's super cool. They're they're partnering with us so that you can get a beer of the month. It's like a six pack of Breck Brew for seven ninety nine each month if you get that app. It's super cool. 
plus Breckenridge Brew. Always good to have special deals anytime you can get more and more of that. I am going to take a quick break here, come back on the other side of it, answer a couple more questions, and take a look at how this offseason is shaping up now that we've finally got a bit of news. Hey, you know that taking care of your teeth is pretty important. That's why you got to check out our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group who are offering a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. That's right, you simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. All right, everyone, we're really excited to tell you about our new friends over at Mile High Green Cross. These guys offer an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. Check out this year's Cannabis Cup winning products when you head over to their website. Mile High Green Cross offers a variety of CBD products from edibles to concentrates to cartridges. They pride themselves on customer service and it shows. Every single time you pop in, you will receive one-on-one -on -one attention with one of their seasoned sales associates. Not to mention they have everyday low prices on in-house products such as $99 pre-pack ounces and B3 hash oil bulk deals. Five cartridges for $100. Mile High Green Cross offers out-the-door pricing. What they advertise is what you pay. No cash? No problem. Mile High Green Cross now accepts Hyper. What's even better is the amount of time you spend in the dispensary. On average, the time you walk in to the time you walk out is only nine minutes. That's a huge deal. I know it's super important for all of us in these hectic and crazy lives we've got going on. They're informative. They're speedy. So head down today and check out Mile High Green Cross. They are conveniently located on 9th and Broadway, and they also offer parking in the back. And tell them who sent you. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Wanted to jump back into some more off-season stuff here, but I did want to mention a few things that we're doing at DNVR real quick uh, that I kind of hinted at in the last episode, and I really hope that uh, some of you can get a chance to check it out. First things first, on Saturday, December 7th, I will be with Manny Rondawa and the original play-by-play -play broadcaster of the Colorado Rockies, Mr. Wayne Hagen, and we will be doing a book signing for Manny Rondawa's book, The Blake Street Bombers. Wayne Hagen will be there, Manny will be there, I'll be there, and joining us over the telephone will be the one and only Dante Bichette. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've never interviewed Dante before. I've never met him. Uh, I very briefly have had the privilege to meet both Todd Helton and Larry Walker. Um, I certainly get the privilege to work around Vinny Castilla every day during this season. I have not met Ellis Burks or Andres Galarraga, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So I hope you can make it. Uh, if you happen to be in town, it's going to be starting a little bit early. We're starting at 11 a.m. We're going to call Dante about 10 minutes into it. But we're going to be hanging out, signing books, talking baseball, uh, reliving the, the 90s era for the Colorado Rockies. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and we'll have some things you know coming out uh, alongside of all of that. Then uh, the other thing that I wanted to point everyone toward is uh, what we've been doing over at DNVR with our top 50 of the 10s. We've been looking back at this last decade. I know there are a lot of people out there right now who are doing their look back at the decade. And, and there's been some pretty great stuff, but I, I think we've come up with 
a unique way to do it. Uh, I'm really excited about this list. We've been slowly unveiling where we do all the four major sports and just like all of the Colorado personalities, almost said athletes, but there are owners and GMs on there as well and coaches. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely got some pushback. I don't want to do too much of talking about those lists on this podcast. I'll do a little bit if anybody has specific questions. I definitely got pushback for getting Dick Monfort onto the list. And, you know, if people want to talk about that, we can. But we're also going to be releasing podcasts along all, all of this on the Denver Sports Podcast feed. So make sure that you are subscribed to that one specifically. If you just do the Rockies one, but you want to hear all this other stuff, make sure you get in on that one because we're not just going to be going down our list and talking about why is this guy here or not. We've got all kinds of other stuff, including two podcasts that are out right now. One where, and I was on both of these, um, one where we talk about the biggest villains and rivals for each team. Archie Bradley's name did come up. And um, one where we talk about the best draft picks for each team. And it was interesting to relive the decade for the Rockies from a draft perspective because it's one area where they really haven't had a lot of huge misses and have had some pretty great successes. So there were a lot of Rockies that made it onto the list. And uh, obviously there are a lot of, of players from the other sports as well. So hopefully you'll check those out. Coming up soon, we've got the worst draft picks. There were a couple of Rockies on that list, but not very many. They, they, this year, or this decade, I should say, they didn't have a ton of terrible draft picks. Um, and, and then we've got another one coming out that I'm very excited that we did about it is called the best of the rest where we talk about athletes from Colorado who aren't in the four major sports like Lindsey Vaughn, Michaela Schiffer and Missy Franklin, those types of people. And that was a great deal of fun. And, and that's just scratching the surface. We've got a whole ton of content coming your way when it comes to remembering the decade that was in Colorado sports. So make sure you're subscribed to DNVR for all the written content and that you subscribe to that, that other podcast feed, the Denver Sports Podcast feed, uh, where we do all the crossover stuff. It's, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Nathaniel, since you are moving back next week and won't be able uh, to be there, I'll make sure to, to get you a signed copy. How about that? Um, I'll do what I can. Uh, you know, if anyone out there, if you're going to buy your, yourself your, your own copy, but you can't make it to the signing, we may be able to do uh, another one as well. So I'll let you know, but it's going to be a great event on Saturday. I hope everyone can make it out. We want to get signed books to as many people as possible. Um, oh, okay. Now, see, Jameson's asking here on, on the Periscope about the Rockies possibly trading for a catcher. I, I don't want to totally dodge your question, but I am going to do um, a whole podcast about the catchers, both in terms of guys who are free agents and two potential trade partners, one being here with Seattle and, and one being with Chicago. I will say now for the short version, Omar Narvarez is, is not on my list of, of targets. I don't... I think the Rockies, more than any other team in baseball, cannot afford to have a bat first catcher. And 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 it, I'm maybe I'm probably oversimplifying that, but to me, like no, they they need a guy behind the dish who is a is a glove first guy, and whatever you get offensively is a bit of a bonus. 
at that point. Um, and uh, so, so I did want to get to uh, who was it? Adam uh, also brought up Domingo Santana from earlier, and I didn't mention Steven Souza Jr. Now, these are guys who, again, I think Kevin Pillar, if Kevin Pillar is going to be the expensive outfielder among this group, then you've got to let him go somewhere else. And I both I think that both Steven Souza Jr. and um, Domingo Santana could be interesting defensive options for the Rockies who th- they could pay less and get maybe just as much as whoever's going to get out of Pilar or somebody like Harrison Bader, as we were talking about earlier, where Bader is a guy they would have to trade for. Um, and I think they could probably pick up. Uh, I like Steven Souza Jr. a lot. Uh, no idea what his market value is right now, uh, but he's a fantastic defensive center fielder with and he's had some injuries more so maybe he's slowed down a little bit i'd have to double check that but again if if kevin pilar is eight million dollars and steven souza jr is three or four give me souza and martin maldonado and blake trinan and call it an offseason as opposed to going and getting one guy in in instead of just getting pilar and that's kind of it right like so there, there are definitely a lot of different ways it could go, and you could look at it. But Domingo Santana and Steven Souza Jr. are guys I would be very, very interested in with with a heavy lean towards Souza. And I've said many times I don't think the Rockies have a major need in the outfield. That I know there are a lot of I don't know where the narrative got started that David Dahl's a bad defensive center fielder, but he's not. Can I just say that? Can I can I can I just inject that into this conversation? Now, I understand why no one's super, you know, ready to just rely on him to do everything all the time. The injuries are a real thing. But David Dahl is a really good defensive center fielder. He's got all the tools. He gets good breaks on balls. He's got above average speed, a really good arm. He can be a little bit timid now running into the wall more than he used to be. He used to it's part of the thing that, that would get him hurt every once in a while. But David Dahl has the potential to be the best defensive center fielder the Rockies have maybe ever had. And I get that, you know, DRS hates him, but DRS hates every Rockies center fielder. I, I, I read that today when you know, I, I think I said, saw something that was saying the Rockies should pick up Pilar. And again, I'm not totally against the idea, but the the only stat that was referenced was that the Rockies were last in DRS and center field last year. They're last in DRS and center field every year. That's like saying they're the best offense in baseball because they led the league in runs. No, they have the lowest DRS in center field because they have the biggest center field to cover. It's that simple. It's always been the case. The Rockies have never, not never, not ever had a guy rank out well above average in DRS at center field. It's never happened. So the idea that Kevin Pillar or any of these guys wouldn't come here and also put up a negative DRS misunderstands that statistic. But that doesn't mean that the Rockies shouldn't get better defensively in center field. I just think they have a lot of avenues already to do that, starting with what the plan is right now, which is David Dahl as your starting everyday center fielder. With a backup that includes a whole ton of defensive potential in Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, and even Ryan Maltapia, who I don't think is given enough credit for the strides he has made uh, defensively in the last little bit of time. So 
yes, I, I would be more than happy to see the Rockies go and get a guy like Souza to stick those guys in the corner, create some depth, and help. But center field, to me, I guess let me put it this way. This is kind of what I've been talking around here, right? Center field for the Rockies is a 2 to $3 million problem. So you're not trading Charlie Blackman or John Gray or Scott Oberg to solve it. You're not going out and signing a guy who is going to be your entire offseason budget to do it. You've got to get pitchers, as many of them as you possibly can, and maybe a catcher. And I am with people like I don't, we'll get to the catcher conversation on the next podcast, but other than that, like, yes, there, there are some positions. You, you got to be open to everything. And so I'm not ruling out any of these center fielders. Um, if he falls, I, I've mentioned Pilar many, many times. I'd love to see him run. And you have to help your pitchers out. You have to, they have to get better defensively. I just think they kind of already have. And I get why nobody watched the last month and a half of the Rocky season. It was brutal. I was there. But they pay me to watch those games so I can come and tell you, actually, Ian Desmond isn't their center fielder anymore. So going, look at how bad, look at their war, their DRS at center field last year. They need to bring in somebody to be better than that. They already have. They brought in three or four guys to be better than that. Um, will it work? We don't know. We, we don't know. Can David Dahl stay healthy? Can any of these other guys pan out? I have all the faith in the world that Garrett Hampson can at the very least give you Harrison Bader numbers. That's what's so weird to me about this idea that they should trade Charlie Blackman for Harrison Bader. When I'm like, they already have Harrison Bader. His name is Garrett Hampson, except he can also play infield. You want a guy that hits 200 but is an extreme athlete and does everything else really well? They have one. <laughs> um... Yeah, well, and, and Nathan, here's where they're stuck, right? Nathan asks, do do I think that it hurts the Rockies looking for center field similarly to the negative perception of pitching at court? The Rockies are kept, caught in the worst catch-22, maybe in pro sports when it comes to this. Because if you... So we'll, we'll go back to the pitchers we were talking about. The whole conversation we had with Patrick Lyons, right? Taiwan Walker, does he really want to come to Colorado to rebuild his career? I, again, in the thing I read earlier today about where these guys might go, uh, whoever the author, I'm sorry, I read like four different articles, so I'm not sure, but an author said, you know, he could, it could be an interesting fit for the Rockies, but do, if you want to rebuild your career, it's smarter to stay at sea level, right? That makes sense. We all understand that. So there's almost no incentive for starting pitchers to come to Colorado just because they might get shelled and no one's going to, you know, look past that and offer them another one-year deal or something. So the Rockies almost always have to offer pitchers multi-year deals and more money. But there isn't a flip side of that where it's like, but position players love to come to Colorado because they're like, no, if you're an outfielder, your defensive numbers are going to be absolutely torpedoed. And two, if you come to Coors Field as an offensive player and put up the best offense of your career, which is likely it doesn't always happen in fact it almost never happens the first year somebody comes but if you do do you get the credit for doing that do, do people say wow that guy really figured it out absolutely freaking not the ballpark gets the credit for it ask justin morneau and michael kadire who were both all-star hitters before they ever came to coors field but then they put up near career numbers at coors and their coors products so signing here as a big 
name free agent as a position player, you know, it, it makes some intrinsic sense. You think, why wouldn't a position player go, I'm going to go to Coors Field and put up huge numbers? Because no one will respect those numbers. That's why. It doesn't increase your value to come to Colorado and put up big offensive numbers. In fact, there's an argument to be made that it decreases your value, that your numbers will be looked at as if they don't count, as if they don't matter. So there's no incentive for pitchers to sign here as free agents, and there's almost no incentive for hitters to do so. Certainly not young hitters or hitters in the middle of their career. It's not like you come out here, you hit 310, and everyone goes, Oh, that's who he is now. No, literally, they do the opposite. They say he's not really that guy. It's the ballpark. And defensively, it's the same thing. In fact, I've been told many, many, many times, nobody wants to play center field for the Colorado Rockies. Now, these young guys do, and part of that's because they want to get on the field. David Dahl's a center fielder. He thinks of himself as a center fielder. He wants to be a center fielder. He's always wanted to be a center fielder. He only ever moved over to left in the minors to try to get Tapia some reps and, and in the majors to try to keep some of the wear and tear off of his body. But he's the guy to do it. And, and Hampson and Tapia, these guys want to play center field at Coors Field. Kevin Pillar probably doesn't. Steven Souza Jr. might to stay in the show. I'd be interested in a guy like Billy Hamilton. I know he hits zero. <laughs> you know, pay him a million dollars. Go out there and, and run the baseball down. We'll figure out the rest of it. But nobody wants to play center field at Coors. Your numbers are going to look terrible. And you're going to wear yourself out. It's the most demanding position in terms of physicality other than catchers. In baseball, playing center field as a member of the Colorado Rockies is more demanding than any non-catching job you can have in baseball. Cargo didn't want to play center field because of the wear and tear on his body. He could have been a great center fielder for the Colorado Rockies, had all the tools, but it probably wouldn't have run him out of the game even earlier than he eventually was run out of the game. So that's why I really don't mind the idea of a Billy Hamilton or whoever who gets zero amount of his value from his offense because you're not asking him to. Just go catch the ball in the place where it's, where it's hardest to do that. And that's why, and th this whole thing, this catch-22 that the Rockies are in, where they're just not, for an individual, uh, a great destination to go to because you're not going to get credit if you do well. And you're going to be in a spot where it's going to be more difficult to do well. That's why the Rockies have to go after guys who need them almost as much as they need the player, right? These reclamation projects. That's why Jose Mujica, such a smart idea. Great numbers in the minors, still 23 years old, but coming off of Tommy John, I hadn't pitched in a while, a lot of question marks. Grab that guy. Bunch of those uh, position player size. See, Jameson, in that case, go get Byron Buxton. Now we're talking. This is, this is That's exactly what I mean. Somebody who's on the team to play center field, not someone who's on the team who can play some center and you're really hoping to get some out offense out of them. 
if, if you want to get a center fielder, and again, I don't think it's anywhere near the top of the Rockies' priority list, get a center fielder who that's all he wants to do. Because most guys just don't. And that's the, you know, that's another one of those not-so-secret things uh, about this team and, and the Rockies and everything that's gone on with them. They're in a real tough spot. So they have to go after the lower risk, higher reward guys that other teams are going to overlook. But there's a whole lot of those available right now. They have to get some of them. They have to. There's too many potentially valuable players out there right now that shouldn't cost that much. So while I'm absolutely telling all of you out there right now, they shouldn't be going after not even just the Zach Wheelers and Madison Bumgarners of the world, but the Travis Darnos of the world. And you're going, what? They can't even afford an $8 million a year catcher? Well, they probably could, but they shouldn't. These other guys that they need to be going after, who are going to cost less but potentially be worth so much more. But they got to do something. Let's keep our eyes peeled. If they do anything, I will hop right back on with analysis of whatever move it may be, I wouldn't be surprised if within the next week or so we're hearing another guy has been added to the Rockies' 40-man roster. So for now, all I can say is that I hope you are all continuing to drink Breckenridge Brew. I hope you're continuing to do so using the Davidson's app. Uh, I hope you, you, we will see you at Blake Street Tavern on Saturday, December 7th for the book signing, it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and I, I hope to see all your bright and shining smiley faces there. Make sure you're following us on social media. You know how to do all of that. You're subscribed to all the different podcast feeds and to DNVR so you don't miss any of our end-of-decade content. You guys are going to love it. Like I said, we've barely scratched the surface so far. All I can otherwise say is that Thank you for being absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more.